Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 413 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Joe, joined by Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm all fired up today, Joe. Oof. Let's do some comic talking. What time is it, Todd? It's comic book talking time. It's robot fighting time. Oh. No, wait, that's uh, Battle Rots. Did you see the other day someone was saying, I guess uh, yesterday was the 20-something or other anniversary of the Power Rangers coming on the air? Really? I don't feel old at all. Yeah. Todd, everything that happens in the world, I feel old. Power Rangers was after my time, so mm-hmm. I probably would have watched that, watched it a lot if I was a kid, but it was after my time. I think they're still all on Netflix, uh, but I know, you know, having a younger brother, he was into Power Rangers at the time, so I'm a little bit more tangentially aware of it. Mm-hmm. Was he always kicking you? No. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know is the guy who is the Green Ranger mm-hmm. thinks he's also a mixed martial artist. Does he know American Kenbo? Uh, I don't. I don't know American Kenbo. Is that the thing that? Uh, is that like Taibo? I think it is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's the most lethal form of martial arts. That's what I've heard. I thought whatever it is that Steven Seagal does is the most lethal form of martial arts. Acting at people. Oh. <laughs> Let's not get into political talk here about Steven Seagal and his. Ties to the Soviets because we've got comic book stuff to talk about, Todd. Right, Peggy Bundy's brother, but let's move on. So we've got discussion of a book coming to Marvel with maybe the perfect creative team for the perfect project. Mm-hmm. The return of yet another Marvel super team. A new place that you could read comics on that probably very few people actually will, but it's very interesting to see where the future is going to take us. And a follow-up on a convention that we talked about last week. Wonder which one it is. Speaking of conventions, Todd, we're going to talk about some of the conventions that are happening this weekend. And the quality or lack thereof of the sites about those (laughs) conventions. Digital sales and freebies, and I made sure to have the most current and up-to-date freebies available for us to discuss, and it's quite an eclectic mix. Uh, we also have what we're going to, what we read from this past week, which is West Coast Avengers number one and Amazing Spider-Man number four. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about what we're looking forward to coming out this week, and it is a scant week of comics, one of those uh, fifth Wednesday months that. Uh, Kind of put some low shipping out there for you. Todd's Art Attack, a uh, reminder about the pigskin pickums, and a little bit more talk about the new Matt Groening Netflix show, Disenchantment. Yes, sir say I'll take that silence as acknowledgement of our conversation and move on. Yep, sorry, I was being silent because you awed me with your opening. There you go. Oh, that's that must have been what it was. So... <laughs> Uh, as it was announced several weeks ago on this very show and many other outlets, there are other outlets where people get their comic book information, in the big acquisition of Fox, one of the things that Disney had acquired or procured through legal means, I assure you, was the rights <laughs> to Conan, and therein all 
things involving Conan. And just a few weeks ago, Dark Horse, who previously had the Conan license, uh, put all their stuff on a fire sale, like they've done before, as they lose properties to Disney, amongst other people. And we all wondered here, hey, there was a time when Marvel had a Conan comic book. I wonder if they'll do a Conan comic book now that they have the rights back through Disney. Hey, and I wonder who that creative team was was going to be. And it's almost as though Marvel and Disney and Axel Alonso and C.B. Sabolsky and every other Marvel editor-type person read our minds, and I'm going to say the collective fandom's mind, when they announced that this November a new Conan book is going to be uh, coming out, written by Jason Aaron, with art by uh, Mahmoud Aras, with covers by Asad Ribic. I'll take ten. Now, this is one of those things that I didn't need much more information outside of Jason Aaron. Everything else on top of this is gravy. Now, the only way that I can see that this will end up being disappointing if they just take old issues of his first run on Thor, Thor, God of Thunder, and just tape pictures of Conan over Thor and resell us those back. See, that would be the way because it has more issues. But I really figure he was like, there was rumblings that they were going to get Conan back. And, and Jason Aaron was like, hey, remember Secret Wars uh, Weird World with, you know, Akron, Ohio, the Barbarian? I'm, I, that's my resume right here, mm-hmm. good sir. So, like I said, I think it would even go all the way back to those Weird World, like, miniseries where we're like, just give Jason Aaron Conan. Just, just give it to him. And he he even said on Twitter, he's like, I was ready to fight anybody at Marvel if they try to stake their claim to Conan. Right. Now, I said November because I think the initial stuff that I saw said November, but it's actually not coming out until January. Um, And in all the little different press releases and so on and so forth, uh, Jason Aaron says, this is uh, I've literally been preparing for this job since I was 13 years old. Um, I've devoured every Howard, uh, Robert E. Howard Conan book. Uh, now I get the opportunity to continue. Um, one of the things that initially put me on the character was that with each story, Howard would jump from a different point in Conan's life. Um, and it looks like he's doing the first 12 issues at the very least, uh, mm-hmm. in a story arc that's going to be called The Life and Death of Conan. Yeah, that, it is very interesting because, in the books, like he, he does jump around, like literally the first, uh, Conan story, I believe is a King Conan story, which is later in his life after he's like taken over things. So it's like, then after that, there was no, bam, he's here, he's young, he's whatever. And to me, I started reading Conan. I'm not the, the Conan, you know, fan that other people we know are, but I was reading it when Kurt Busick was writing it at Conan, uh, at Dark Horse, mm-hmm. and it was so good. And I just like look forward to, to Jason Aaron, cause I, I'm all in on it. I can't wait to get it. Careful with using those two words together, especially this week. You don't want to trigger me, please. Oh, okay. I'll try, I'll try harder. Thank you. Um, but that being said, Conan is one of those properties that I'm always intrigued by the concept of, but never enough for me to take the plunge and become a regular Conan reader, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Aaron on the book is more than enough to get me to do so. Uh, you know, I did read the currently ongoing miniseries, uh, Red Sonia Conan, written by 
uh, Gail Simone, of course, who we're both big fans of. And, you know, I jokingly said the only way that this could be disappointing is if they just repurpose old issues of Thor, God of Thunder, and just tape pictures of Conan over Thor in the book. Mm -hmm. What I really want as the culmination to whatever Jason Aaron is doing over at Marvel with Thor, because in the past when Conan was written there, it didn't happen all the time. But Conan and Red Sonja, when at Marvel, would cross over into the regular Marvel universe. Right. I want a Conan-Thor crossover written by Jason Aaron. I want a Conan-Star Wars crossover. Oh, boy. That's what I want. And when uh, Marvel gets the Indiana Jones comics at some point. I, why not? Like get Indiana Jones doing some archaeology of like where Conan lived. And he's like, Hey, a barbarian lived here. Right. And and again, if, if comics were, um, a blue chip property, not to resell and put your kids through comics, but to get the most bang. Well, I gotta be careful there because that'll trigger myself, but the most enjoyment for your entertainment dollar, (laughs) uh, Jason Aaron Conan, 2019 is a surefire bat. It's probably the thing I'll be looking forward to most in the next year. Mm-hmm. So I got my first pick right at the beginning of the year, ready to go. Ugh. Uh, so one of the other things Marvel is doing uh, also, this one is actually in December, is they are bringing back the Defenders. Now, not the Defenders from the Netflix TV show, which is all your street-level characters and so forth. Uh, this is those original Defenders. Uh, Silver Surfer, Namor, Doctor Strange, and The Hulk. Uh, they're doing a series of one-shots that are leading into, you know, I guess the collection and re-putting together of the team. Uh, most importantly, of course, is the Hulk book. Hulk issue is written by Al Ewing. And uh, the main book that brings the team together is also written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett, which is the current Immortal Hulk creative team. Right. So if this book is going to be anything like the Al Ewing Immortal Hulk, and if they are going to do an, a Defenders ongoing with Al Ewing at the helm, again, not the same hype level for a Jason Aaron Thor book, but pretty close. Um, I'm interested, and I've never been a Defenders guy um, of that team. I think I read one uh, mini with uh, Keith, uh, Salty Keith J.M., and uh, Kevin on art, but I've never really yet read any of the, like Defender stories that they've done. Uh, so I, I'm definitely Al Ewing. I've come around on him with Immortal Hulk, so I'm definitely going to give this a try. I mentioned before I'm a sucker for all sorts of different things. You know, whenever we'll talk about it a little bit later on with West Coast Avengers number one. Uh, but if it's a Hawkeye-led team, I'm there. Right. If it's a Defenders team or it's a majority of these four characters, I'm there. Um, really? I'll always give it a try. I, I, there's just something about this grouping of these four characters mm-hmm. that I always am like, I want to see if it's going to work this time. Um, right. Because this is something that they've tried to get to work so many, so many times. And when it was working... Uh, who was the writer of it in the late 70s, early 80s? I forget the guy's name, but it was so far off the beaten path. Like, it was more of a mystical book than anything like Gargoyles on the team and all this other crazy nonsense. Valkyrie, maybe? Yeah, yeah. 
and those are good, but they're like they were heady before comics were really a heady thing. But it was so far under the radar that right. I think nowadays people go back and read them and find all this greater meaning to them. Kind of like how a lot of the early to mid '80s Captain America stuff, uh, the Mark Grunwald stuff. It's like ah, oh, it was okay, Captain America, but it was like a top fifty selling title when Marvel was putting out sixty books a month. You know. My favorite cover of the Mark Runewald one, The House That Dripped Dough. <laughs> Fantastic. Is that, is that my house? <laughs> right, no, no. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jerry Dugan, Chip Zdarsky, Jason Latoura doing some of the other one-shots, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, Namor. Uh, but I'm, I'm hanging my hat and my hopes that it's going to be an Al Ewing written Defenders ongoing. But we'll see. Uh, you know, it's going, on, it's going on the list. It is. We'll see. I'll see who the ongoing creative team is. If it's Al Ewing, definitely. Then if not, I'll play it by ear. Right. Uh, now, one of the other things uh, to mention is in the world of digital comics. And there's a company called Inky Pen who is releasing an app where you are going to be able to, for a subscription of $8 a month, uh, be able to view comics digitally and they've got a bunch of smaller end independent creators but they have idw they have valiant they have dynamite on board but the catch to it is is an app exclusively for the nintendo switch okay so uh nintendo runs hot and cold with their devices um when it's hot it's hot like the nes or the super nes or the original Wii, or currently the Switch. But when it's cold, it's cold. Like the Wii U, or the GameCube, which is an underrated system, but still. Uh, you know, they're not the kind of steady juggernauts like your PlayStations or your Xboxes and stuff, right? Right, but they've had more, so... Like, PlayStation's only had four. Right, Nintendo's but, had way more than four. Right, but what I'm saying is, is once there was more competition, because you had Sega back in the day, and Sega was kind of... They were more eager to get the next system out before they were actually ready to make stuff for the existing hardware. Right. And I don't want to get too, too deep into video game talk. No problem. That's for another show that doesn't exist on the network, because Todd was telling me he was hoping we could do four shows on the network instead of, instead of the just two that we currently do. I was thinking five. Five. Five! A five count of shows? A five count of shows. I think if there's four shows, to, to get less, we should do a fifth show, like Cats <laughs> in the Wall. So, uh, the Switch is hot right now, right. you know what I mean? Uh, the games are good. It's selling really well. Um, they're only in their first year of release, and now the second year of release, with all sorts of rumors of having a Hulu app, a YouTube app, and being able to do more stuff. If they can get equal, you know, uh, you know, plus or minus two, let's say, a functionality with the Switch that a normal tablet would have, plus the software that's just exclusive to Nintendo, plus their indie games market, which hits all the other platforms like your Microsoft and your Sony, this could be the big tipping point. But the problem I see with this is I, I don't think that these publishers, IDW, Valiant, and Dynamite, are the ones that they should be leading with, this company, Inky Pen. And obviously, you know, this might be the only ones that they can get the deals with, but 
based on their clientele, if they were to get Archie. Boom. Boom. Or Viz, any of the companies that put out manga. And you have that, that you could digitally get that on your Switch, in addition to your games, in addition to YouTube, in addition to Hulu, and everything else, that's going to be opening you up to a new clientele. The right. reason I bring that up is this is just the beginning that if this is if this is a success, I could certainly see other companies individually as mentioned, Viz, Boom, Archie, etc., or Comicsology even saying, you know what, you can't beat them, join them. We're gonna do a Comicsology app on the Switch. Right. See, I'm gonna have to take all your word for this. Okay. I'm not not on the news part, but on the Switch because I've never seen a Switch. Oh. I don't know how big a Switch is. I don't know how a Switch works. Switch is like a handheld video game device, I guess. It's bigger than that. Um, have you ever seen a uh, a Sony Vita, PlayStation Vita? Nope. Um, have you ever have you ever seen a uh, Tiger handheld electronic game? I think so. Have you ever seen a Game Boy? Yes, I've seen a Game Boy. Have you ever seen a standard like uh, seven inch tablet? Yes, I have. I own I own a Kindle Fire like, okay. eight inch tablet. Okay, kind of the size of a seven inch tablet, but it's got like two controllers on the side. Okay, but there's a docking station where you could put it and do the stuff on your TV as well. Oh, so you can like hook it up, I guess. Okay. Yes. yes. See, I was thinking it was all on the the device, and I don't know how that would be for reading comics and stuff like that. But if you can, you know, hook it up to your TV, then that's a little different. I would like to read comics on my giant 60-inch TV. Right, and that's a lot of what, like, their little promo video is. It's like you're sitting here, you're walking around with your Switch, you're reading your comic book, you put it in the docking station, you take your little two Joy-Cons off, and it picks right up where you were walking around with the portable, you turn your TV on, and you pick it right up from there, and you're moving through the pages, panels, however you want to do it on your screen, on your TV screen. Cool. Right. This is the start of something, um, like I said, the YouTube and the Hulu apps for the Switch were rumored, nothing official. Uh, we're just coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Switch, so I'm sure by the end of this year, they have a ton of huge game announcements coming out, some of which we'll actually be talking about a little bit later on in the show. Um, but if we can get comics and everything on this, and I, I again, uh, it's a little pointed for me because I have a Switch. I don't own the Switch. It's my kids, but <laughs> it's in my house. I say to him, everything in this house is yours, just like on the flip side, everything in this house is secretly mine. Oh, wow. Yes, I could say that because everybody else in the house is asleep. Mm -hmm. I have video, I have audio proof, though. I can take it to them. Like, you know how to download a podcast and or share it with someone. Um, yeah, I don't know how to do technical anything. Right, so the last bit of news I want to mention uh, is a holdover from last week. We had discussed in the convention segment the amazing Comic-Con Aloha which had a huge guest list uh, from creators like Jim Starlin, George Perez, uh, to media guests and so forth. Well, apparently, uh, in the Honolulu area, the there was a hurricane that was scheduled to hit. So that caused the convention to be canceled, but there were some creators that were still already out there. Uh, specifically, uh, Neil Adams and Kevin Eastman, who both took to... Uh, 
social media to tell fans that made the pilgrimage out to there for the convention, much like themselves, come over to the hotel and hang out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Um, I mean, I even heard that the hotel that had the convention was, you know, scheduled to be a, uh, like a, where, where uh, people could go if they're, what would you call it? Like where you could sleep at night and like a designated area if your place was trashed. So like you had all this stuff just going against the Aloha Con. But I like the fact that when like creators like, oh, a lot of people probably spent some money to do this, blah, blah, blah. Like let's make the best of what we can in a bad situation. Right. So I think that's really cool. Uh, now they have, they haven't issued refunds yet, but they have announced a replacement date for the show, uh, which mm-hmm. is going to be at the end of February 2019. So let's hope that there's no more hurricanes in that area. And as beautiful as that area is, I'm sure there will be much more weather concerns that everyone there will have to be worried about. And pushing it back to February gives the Aloha Con a chance to think about us. Coming out there and doing an award show. That's right. Plenty of time. Uh, you know, we discussed it on After Dark this week, or we'll discuss it on After Dark this week. I don't know how these things work anymore. Uh, that Todd got uh, some fan mail, some cool stuff sent to him from uh, one of our fans. And uh, I'll be waiting by the mailbox for those invites uh, to Aloha Con to come to us for next mm-hmm. year. I'm down. Now, there are two conventions happening this weekend, and Todd, I think they're far enough away from any sort of weather maladies that they should go off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. One is Fan Expo Canada in Toronto, uh, where you have a variety of comic book folks there, everyone from Scott Snyder to Greg Capullo, Tom King, Nick Spencer, Ed McGinnis, Jeff Lemire, uh, Dale Keown again. Uh, much like Weiss Portacio making a convention resurgence in the year 2018. Uh, Yannick Paquette is going to be there as well. Mm. Uh, and the world of entertainment celebrities, Todd. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, and Tom William Wilson are going to be there. Oh, that's a photo op. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, Rob Schneider is going to be there. Speaking of photo ops. Ooh, the Rob Schneider. Not the Rob. Rob Schneider. No, right. He's not the Rob. He's Rob Schneider. William mm-hmm. Shatner is going to be there. The Shat. Mm-hmm. Evangeline Lilly. A little bit more on her later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, from the world of professional wrestling and entertainment, The Miz is going to be there. Ooh. Charlotte is going to be there. Okay. World famous Blue Mittens is going to be there. AJ Styles. Blue Mittens. I wonder if he's going to take a plane over the flat earth. Right. And fun NXT dad Paul, a.k.a. Triple H, is going to be there. Okay. (laughs) But I saved the best for last, Todd. Because I know we have the other convention, but I'm just going to throw this one out there. Also appearing at Fan Expo Canada in Toronto is Richard Dean Anderson. Whoa, the MacGyver of of uh, Comic Cons? That's or, right. I mean, uh, comic conventions. I'm sorry. Don't want to say con and get sued. That's right. I hope his car doesn't break down to the side of the road on his cool. way to that convention. Probably won't be able to fix it if it's a rental car. That's Not right. Not allowed to touch it. Uh, now we had mentioned another convention happening this weekend in the Atlanta area, and that's Dragon Con. Uh, now I do want to say the organizer of Dragon Con, one of the bigger conventions, uh, I would say, in the calendar, you know, in the greater United States. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to do a better job of making their site easier to navigate so I can pull up who's going to be at this convention. Hmm. I don't know. I think they do a good job. They're, Atlanta's the home of the bandit. Oh. oh. The skull bandit? No, bandit from, uh, from Atlanta GA. It's even in the song. Oh, there's a, well, I don't know. I, <laughs> I might have blocked that part out. Uh, comic book folks that are going to be at Dragon Con this year, Paul Jenkins, uh, Francisco Francavilla, Peter David, George Perez, Jill Thompson, Gail Simone, uh, celebrity guests, Todd, uh, Karen Gillan is going to be there. Uh, who Nebula. Just, right, who was just recently immortalized in the world-famous uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest video game as Nebula. Uh, Joel Hodgson, Jonah Ray, and Felicia Day of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Netflix show. And her best role uh, on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Tom Kenny, voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, amongst other things, are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aforementioned Evangeline Lilly is also advertised for this convention as well. I don't know how she's going to pull that one off, but if anyone could do it, it's her. Maybe she'll shrink down and go to both somehow. Right. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum is going to be there. Lex. Uh-huh. And, and the, the voice of Flash. Right. The host of Magician Secrets Revealed, Mitch Peligi, is going to be there. <laughs> oh. The only thing it, I know him from. Me too. Uh, this... This guy who's, I don't know, there's no picture of him, there's no other information. This Capoliti guy that shows up at these conventions is going to be there. <laughs> the guy who, you know, has the, the in the soup, the, the Capoliti soup. Right. And Todd, I know when you think Dragon Con, you think, you know, wizards and dragons and fantasy. And, you know, you got your comic books and your entertainment people. But who from the world of professional wrestling would be better suited to be at Dragon Con? I don't know. Then, his granddaughter is going to be in <gasps> in Toronto this weekend. So no better than the nature boy himself, Ric Flair, to be mingling amongst the cosplayers and live-action role players and all sorts of people. Woo! He's going to have some fun. He's going to have some fun. Oh, boy. Oh. Listen, go to the... If if there's a fifth seasons nearby, just follow Ric Flair there. I'm sure nothing untoward will happen to you or him. Just follow the trail of uh, sprinkled Spectrox. I was going to say un- unpaid bar tabs, but all right. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, uh, let's, I'll give Ric Flair a pass on this one. Go see Ric Flair at Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. I was going to make another untoward remark about Ric Flair, but I still like Ric Flair secretly. Do you? That's nice. I do. Um, and I also wanted to mention about, I forgot to mention about the uh, fan expo in uh, Toronto there. They claim that Roman Reigns is not going to be there, but they sure have a guy there in the pictures that looks like Roman Reigns. And mm. I think whoever's in charge of the website spelled his name wrong, because that's not how you spell Roman Reigns. It's not Jason Momoa, but it sure looks <laughs> like Roman Reigns to me. They they do look like brothers. <laughs> You're just saying that because they're both Samoan. Uh, no. Right. I'm saying that because they both have long black hair and a beard. Mm-hmm. And they both carry a trident when you're not when they're not looking. Right. One has the gum, one has the <laughs> one has the spear like thing. Sure. So uh all the links to these conventions will be over in the show notes, as are links to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Of course, anytime any of the shows at our network 
go live or folks from the shows on the network appear on other shows and they remind me, eventually <laughs> I will put them up on the site. Things get real hazy with my muddled brain these days. Oh, you are full of muddle. But all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network, such as this show, of course, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, Everlasting Minute, the minute-by-minute recap uh, of the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie by Jason and David, Podvocacy, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, after a three-month hiatus, Fresher and <laughs> Parlance was back this week. Wow. How'd and, I miss it? And speaking of hiatuses, <laughs> we're two weeks past me getting a new episode of Prodigal Sons Podcast <laughs> to edit. Especially after this past week, they skipped profane arguments and told their their fan base, don't worry, you'll be able to get more of J- uh, Jared and Ian on Pr- Prodigal Sons this week. And there was one last week, and there wasn't one this week. I'm mad. I understand. I'm the same way. I don't want extra work, and I'm upset that they weren't there for me to edit. Wow. Uh, but also over in the show notes, of course, is going to be a link to mega power listener of the show, Jason Sandberg's self-published comic, Jupiter, which is an anthology indie comic that has all sorts of social commentary, all sorts of fantastic art, and for eight bucks, you can't go wrong for the content that you get from what Jason has put out here. And I hope that when he does more, just like I mentioned before, whenever anybody else in the soon to be network goes on some other show, as long as they remind me, it goes up on the site. I'm eagerly awaiting the next installment of whatever Jason has up his sleeve when it comes to his comic books. He has big sleeves, so it should be big stuff. He's wearing Michael or uh, David Burns old suit. <laughs> So some of the other stuff that you can get over at uh, Comixology, if you've already purchased Jason's book, Jupiter, which I highly recommend that you do. Uh, some of the sales going on, a lot of the holdover sales, as we've mentioned before, IDW's recent hit sales. Uh, Monkey Brain is having a sale that's ongoing until the end of this month. Dark Horse has, had, has added a sale that is going on until the middle of September. Just be wary, though, that's one of those funky sales where you got to input the, the code to get your correct pricing on stuff. And uh, DC's sale this week is a Jim Lee-oriented sale, which they've, which they've done before. And uh, here's the stuff to get in the Jim Lee sale. If you're, it's a, this is probably the leanest sale because while Jim Lee is a big, how do you do over at DC Comics, he really hasn't done a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. You got Hush, and they've got three different versions of that you could buy. <laughs> Um, Action Comic number 1000, he did some art in there, so you can get that half price, right? Uh, he did some Suicide Squad stuff, and, uh, they also have the first 12 issues of Wildcats from Image over there as well. They don't have his Superman run? Uh, they do have Superman Unchained in three different versions. Right, but didn't he do a Superman... Run to? Oh, yes, with Brian Azzarello. Yes, yes, that's yes. included there in trade, not single issues. Okay, just checking. Yeah, but again, I it, when you see it all laid out there, you see how little Jim Lee has actually done over at DC. 
But what has he done behind the scenes, Joe? He's priceless there. Right, and that's what they should be selling, the stuff that he had his fingerprints in behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Not the stuff that he actually put pen to paper and actually wrote stuff out or drew comics or what have you. Right. Uh, so all of those will be in the show notes. Of course, the new freebies that are available uh, from Marvel this week is the original uh, West Coast Avengers from the 80s. Uh, giant size X-Men number one, the introduction, the reintroduction of the X-Men and all of your favorite X characters like Warpath and Nightcrawler and Banshee and some other guys. <laughs> Madrox number one by Peter David that was kind of like a resurgence for that era of X-Factor. Right. And Great stuff. Weapon X number one, the most recent iteration of Weapon X uh, written by Greg Pak, where it's like, Domino and Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike all on a team. And then they sneak Wolverine in there just to be peeking at you. And be like, hey, don't forget, you know, Wolverine's mm-hmm. an X-Man. Because <laughs> I'd forget. If they didn't remind me all the time, I'd forget that Wolverine was an X-Man. I'd for- I forgot that Wolverine used to be in everything. Right. And Those we, are the days I miss. We come back to Jason Aaron. I've mentioned this before on the show, but it bears repeating. Um, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned to you... Uh, the two-parter Jason Aaron did when he was writing Wolverine, that it, that is the explanation as to why Wolverine is on every team and in every book. <laughs> uh, Jason Aaron writes a two-issue storyline f- to give an incontinuity reason why Wolverine is on every team. Other than the fact that if we put Wolverine in a book, it's going to sell, Here's the explanation as to why. And it's a really interesting read. I highly recommend it. I don't know the two issue numbers off the top of my head, but uh, I'm sure I'll find them and talk about them next week. Or I'm leaving an open-ended question, so one of our listeners will tell us. Ooh, that's a no-no, but it's okay. I'll let it go this time. All right. Well, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. And in a sentence I'll never, I never thought I would ever say, I'm going to let you start with talking about Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, the book I was looking forward to most, um, which uh, in the past issues we've had Peter Parker split into both a Spider-Man persona and a Peter Parker persona. One has powers, one doesn't. As we find out, each half doesn't get both, you know, like fully Peter gets the Peter version, gets like the responsibility where the Spider-Man version gets the like powers. So, so that's going on. And then we find out the, the man behind the tri Sentinel, which Spider-Man has, uh, the Spider-Man half of them has taken over. And that is legendary, uh, Spider-Man villain, Mendel Strom. <laughs> um, now, you know, I, I do have to interject. As a longtime Spider-Man nerd, right? Last issue when they were doing the In the Shadows, mm-hmm. I knew it was Mendel Strom. Oh, why didn't you stooge it <laughs> off to me that it was Mendel Strom? I wasn't sure how long they were going to drag out the uh, the reveal. You know? Did you really know it was Mendel Strom? I did only because of the posture. Oh, the posture? Was he hunched over, or did he have good posture? He has poor posture, Todd. Oh, posture mania. Um, so. No, Mendel Strom was one of the many red herring villains behind the Clone Saga. 
<laughs> oh, goody. I was worried that the clone <laughs> saga wouldn't be mentioned. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so I honestly had no idea who he was. I find out he's the inventor of the goblin formula? Uh, alongside Norman Osborn, yes. Okay, he's kind of taking full credit for it since, but it's his time shine now that, uh, that, uh, Norman is missing. So, but in this we find out that, uh, the Peter half of the two separated, uh, Spider-Man thing is he's trying to fill certain voids in his life because he's no longer Spider-Man trying to do semi-deeds, but that kinds to like bite him as he goes because, did you know it's illegal to put change in someone else's meter, Joe? It actually is. I've, I knew that. And we find out that uh, the Spider-Man thing is taking uh, endorsements and he's having fun. He's hanging out with Nick's and the life that, that Peter has. But he's starting, wishes he had, he's starting to worry about him because he knows this is the kind of thing that sent him down the, the wrong path all those years ago with Uncle Ben, you know, like not caring about people and, be, and worried about being more of a star. Um, the whole thing that he's created uh, and Nick Spencer loves his apps in comics, and Spider-Man has created a, a an app for transportation, which I think is is funny. But uh, in the end, we find out that the separation of Peter and Spider-Man is going to end very badly, and uh, Peter's going to try and chase down the spider uh, so they can probably merge again. Um, this is a blast. It's funny. I'm enjoying it. Um, I've I was not the biggest Otley art fan, but I'm starting to come around on the book. I, I really like it. Uh, the Aunt May Peter Parker scenes are always, you know, very touching. Um, other than I would like more Boomerang, this book is perfect. Yeah, Boomerang hasn't been around much. Like, that was a lot of what this book, like, part of what this book was sold upon. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, that free comic book day thing, it's like, all oh, the wacky adventures where it's a villain and a hero living together, but they don't know who the other one is, waka waka, and then we get none of that. Right, but just a quick question, Peter actually knows who's Boomerang is, right? Uh, I he think said so. it in the book, he's like, I know that this guy is so-and-so, but I'm keeping him around so I can watch him. Hmm. But Boomerang doesn't know who Peter is. Oh, that's right, that's what it was. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, I, I enjoy Spider-Man. I like this a lot. I think Nick Spencer, uh, is doing a really good job trying to carve out his own little niche. Uh, he's still building the mystery of who's behind everything because of course you talk about, uh, Nick Spencer likes his apps, but Mendel Strom is going on Reddit <laughs> to try to find information about how the Tri-Sentinel works. And then there's a shadowy figure who behind the scenes who I don't know who it is, is helping all of these other villains in their schemes. So one would assume that it is someone from uh, Peter's past. I'm going to guess that it's definitely not Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, and that it's not Dr. Octopus, Otto Octavius. There's a very good chance that it could be a brand new character, uh, but I like all the mysteries that are going on and the cliffhangers of how Peter is going to fix the problem of merging his two halves together. I'm wondering if it's the character we met that was menacing Mysterio slash Calculon in the first couple issues. Right. I, like, obviously, I think that's who it is, but we don't know who it is. Right. And then there was something with the beginning of this of somebody in, like, a jungle outfit running through the jungle. So I'm wondering if Craven's involved somehow. Yes, there's definitely a 
something going on with a craven, a hunter, a something in those beginning uh, pages in the last two issues. Right. So we'll see how it all comes together. And we have two more issues till the, you know, the, the trade paperback. So hopefully it'll all come together. Right. So my book that I read from this past week was West Coast Avengers number one, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Stefano Caselli. Uh, Kate, uh, Bishop is on the West Coast, hence West Coast Avengers. And she is lamenting on how difficult it is to get a superhero when there is trouble on the coast. When <laughs> she lived on the East Coast, you shook a stick. No matter what was going on, superheroes would come up from out of nowhere. So there is a issue with land sharks attacking people. And she calls upon her friend, America Chavez, who uses her teleporting powers to bring Clint Barton Hawkeye to the West Coast for the assistance. Kate does a good job of wrangling the land sharks back to sea, and it's it's essentially giant mutated sharks with arms and legs that are just, like, ripping things apart. She wrangles them back into the sea, and she thinks to herself that she needs to put together a team. So she holds open auditions. And that is a fun gag, as you get some of the brand new created Mort characters, like <laughs> Breadman, who shows up. Breadman? Who has all the powers of bread. And then okay. you get Gold Digger, who is, exa- it looks exactly as you think she would, who is just there in the hopes to meet Clint. <laughs> uh, she then gets Gwenpool to show up. Uh, Gwenpool, if you're unfamiliar with Gwenpool's gimmick in the Marvel Universe, is she is from our world, the real world. Where comics are real, or like she reads the stories of these characters in comic books. Mm -hmm. Because of that, she knows everybody's deal. But now she's she's actually in the comics. Okay, where her knowledge can help her. Or hinder her because it's so much information that she can't keep it all straight with the continuity kerfuffles that happen seemingly on a daily basis. Whoa, and and it doesn't go quite like she planned. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Quentin Choir also shows up, uh, and he gets on the team in a gimmick, to me, feels a little outdated, feels like it has been done before. But it works here because Quentin, uh, you know, former holder of the Power Cosmic, uh, punk ex-kid from the Jason Aaron Wolverine of the X-Men run, uh, he was shopping himself around to be the central focus of a reality show. Okay. They gave him a bunch of money and he did nothing. So to keep getting the money, he needs to be part of a team. Kate needs money to pay the people that are on her team, and thus that's what brings them together. Oh, so they both need each other. Yes. So this is how this makeshift team comes together. Uh, There is a delightful pun uh, in regards to one of Todd's, well, one of my personal favorites, a pun that would be right up your alley uh, in the end of the issue involving MODOK. Hmm. And uh, that's how I, it appears as though this iteration of Modoc is also going to be on the team. And again, that's how it's ended. This was a light, fun book that you don't need a ton of continuity from. This book technically could have been called anything. 
but Marvel owns the IP West Coast Avengers, so let's keep <laughs> that in circulation. Oh, the 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 trademark must have come due. Right. Which is fine. I like the ragtag team. I like the interplay between them. The uh the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Interactions. The the way they don't they all don't get along so much, you know? Oh. I got gotcha. you. You know, because Quentin Quire's a jerk, Gwenpool's a crazy person, uh Kate and Clint don't get along so 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 much. America just hopes everyone gets along because, you know, she wants to be part of a team, everything else like it was a fun book. I highly recommend it. I'm glad I didn't say it last week, even though I was thinking it. That I'm glad this was not another oversized five dollar number one comic from Marvel. And sadly it was. What? And I think that th- that could be a deterrent for people buying this book. You could get away with that with Fantastic Four. You could get away with that with Thor. You can get away with that with your big guns. Right. When you're doing a $5 book on a new number one where the most recognizable character in the book is Hawkeye, you're asking people not to buy your book. What? It could be the next Thunderbolts. It could be the next Thunderbolts, but that's a hefty price tag for an unknown quantity. I agree. I'm even iffy on those $5, you know, hey, Spider-Man number one. I'm like, ugh. You know, and then you have your $5 number one, and then it goes six issues, and hey, did you know it's officially issue 250? So it's another $5 book. So they got just coming and goings, Joe. Oh, boy. So I, I, I don't let the price tag scare you off. This was a good book. Okay. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for an app to show up on your Tiger handheld electronic game <laughs> to read your comics on, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what books are coming out so that you have enough bags and backs to bring Gorge. everything home safely. Right. The two things that Todd and I are doing in the calendar year 2018, the one that we're always doing is attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Two, the other is the running dollar amount uh, of how much we've spent on comics this week. And looking at Todd's list, even with him only getting two books, two, he's still way in the lead on me on that one. Right. Now, I'm way in the lead on him with correct guesses, with five correct guesses over his. And uh, this one, Todd, is a literal coin flip. It is. You could flip a coin. Mm-hmm. I don't have a coin on me right now. My kid takes all my change at me to throw up the back of my head while I'm driving. Right. Uh, so I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week uh, is Web of, Web of Venom Venam number one. Yes, it is. There you go. You flipped that coin right there, Two-Face. I flipped the mental coin. Or, you know, oh, we could yep. just blow Two-Face's get out of the water like they did in Batman Forever, where, as Tommy Lee Jones, he just keeps flipping the coin until he gets the result he wants. Well, that was the perfect version of Batman in any form, that movie. That's true. Right. So, I'm looking over your list, and I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Is the movie, the movie, the book you're looking forward to most, Catwoman, Tweety, and Sylvester Special, number one? No! 
It, you're lying now. You're just putting the fix in. Todd, I can yep. show you the, the messages that I've sent to other people today that when the poll post goes up, they contact me to guess. The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Scarlet Number 1. What? That's a lie. I even said it last week on the show when we talked about the other Bendis book, where I'm like, uh, you know, the two of them aren't really selling me. Scarlet, of course, I'm on board because I'm already in on it. Right. And uh, Scarlet so Number 1 is the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Right, because your wishy-washiness last week, I should have known that was the book you were looking for most. But anyway, we'll move on. So that's another correct guess for me and another loser for you, Todd. All right, but I won by spending all my money. That's right. That's how you win. I'm winning that fight. That feuds mine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that exists over there. Everything that Todd and I have ever done together in relation to comic books exists over at longboxheroes.com, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, past pull posts, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. All of it exists over there, as does the link to our store, uh, where you can purchase shirts or stickers or enamel pins with our fancy logo on them for a very low, a very reasonable price, I think, mostly because I never took that sale combo thing down. Like I said, I was going to do it like the end of May or something. Uh, that's laziness on my part. Well, that's well. It's, it's about time you took up some of the slack of being lazy. Right. Uh, so if you don't want a shirt, a sticker, or a pin, of course, you could purchase anything to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. doesn't cost you a red cent more, but it gives us those red cents that they would have charged you. They send them to us on about a two- to three-month delay, and then I cut it in half, round down, and send that part to Todd. Of course you do. <laughs> uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week. Uh, someone purchased a USB in-out MIDI cable converter. Oh, the old in-out converter. Mm-hmm. A little of the old in-out converter, Todd. <laughs> uh, someone also purchased Venom number five uh, through the Amazon slash Comicsology whatever, whatever, whatever that is. Uh, someone also purchased... The Essential Technique 2000 of How to Play the Flute. Ooh. And the weird way that Amazon does this now with our little click-throughs, at the very least the way that I look at the chart, uh, somebody also pre-ordered uh, through our Amazon click-through, and it comes up on the list, but we don't get the credit for it until they ship, but they show up now... And they got the pre-orders in because just yesterday, Amazon changed the way that they do the pre-orders... Mm -hmm. For video games, it used to be you pre-order a game, you get 20% off. Now it's you get $10 credit toward your next purchase. Oh, okay. So a bunch of people got their pre-orders in under the wire. Uh, someone, I, I don't know if it was the same person or multiple people, uh, pre-ordered uh, Luigi's Mansion re-release for the Nintendo 3DS, Super Mario Party for the Switch, uh, the new Super Smash Brothers, also for the Switch, and a game I'm unfamiliar with called My Hero One's Justice. All of those games were pre-ordered through our link, so thank you very much uh, for using our link to pre-order your uh, video games. And hey, if your Amazon Prime renewal is coming up anytime soon, uh, do that uh, Kroger meet, as I learned, opportunity, not scam, opportunity, 
where you <laughs> you use your Amazon card that gives you the bonus when you make purchases to buy a gift certificate, to use that gift certificate to renew your Prime membership. Now you're triple dipping. You click them all through our Amazon click-through, and I don't know if it works, but I'm just making stuff up as I go along here, Todd. That's right. Then I don't I don't have to eat hot dogs this week. I can have a steak occasionally. That's right. You can have a bratwurst. Oh, they're... <laughs> They're they're the brat worst. So Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. From Stiff Peg Pete, he sent in a happy hour happy hour with mercy print that he got for supporting Ron Randall's Trekker Kickstarter, and I like that print. There's a lot of you know drawn down on people with guns and whatnot, which is always right up my alley. So that's a very nice piece. I, and I, I'm sorry, I like the color scheme on that. Mm-hmm. You've got an outside of lots of grays and browns, and then the white and the red in the middle like really make that piece pop. Right, it draws your eye right to the main character. Yes, indeed. And then the, the carnage is secondary, mm-hmm. which is how I like my carnage, secondary. And uh, also from mega contributor Euronymous, he got a quick doodle from Kyle Starks on a Rock Candy Mountain 2. As the kids call that in the art world, Joe, that's a remark. Oh, I did not I know d- that. Yes, it's when someone does a little, you know, signature and a, and a, and a little doodle on a comic. Uh, officially on a lot of the sites I've seen, they call it a remark. And uh, he has to pack for Dragon Con for art buying, which is always fantastic. And he also asked Kyle Stark about a sequel to uh, Rock Candy Mountain. He said that uh, he told the story he wanted to tell. Um, probably not a new story, but maybe a spinoff down the line, which I would buy the heck out of, Joe. Absolutely. I, On the list, Kyle Starks is a must-buy as well uh, with any of his own creator-owned stuff. Mm-hmm. So before we get into a little bit of a TV talk here, of course, Todd, uh, we are one week away, uh, eight days as this episode comes out. Eight days! I'm enjoying my sobriety. Eight days a week, Joe. Eight days uh, a week. Of the NFL, uh, not to be confused, the XFL, uh, football season kicks off. And what better way to f- play along, follow along, or actually care about the football season than f- joining us in the 2018 Longbox Heroes Pigskin Pick'ems, Todd? Yes. Join up. Join up with the band. We have the uh, post uh, pinned right at the top of our website, longboxheroes.com. And it'll walk you through how to sign up as a new player or how to reactivate and rejoin uh, to play along with us. Now, Todd, you had mentioned uh, to me before we started recording some of the uh, fun names Mm -hmm. that some folks have chosen for their... uh, Yes. I, I, you know, whatever, I, what do you, their avatars, their handles, the 10 4 good buddies. What do you, what do you call Right. Their account names, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll just, uh, some, there's some good ones. Looking at some I'm, of them here, uh, I like Tight Ender's Game. Mm hmm. That's a reference Shh. to a thing. Yep. Books of the Ender's Game. I like Shark Sandwich. Right. Named after their favorite Spinal Tap album. Right. Do you right. know the two word review of that album, Todd? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> um, fly Eagles Fly, even though I don't like the Eagles. Right. Um, uh, you don't Harris- like uh, Walsh, Don Henley, Glenn Fry, yes. and whomever else? 
Yep, I saw them on their uh, their Hell Freezes Over tour. Oh, okay. At Giant Stadium, fantastic. And Sheryl Crow opened for them. It was a good time. That it was a good like time. a fun concert. It was actually a really great concert. Yeah. Um, Hair Star. He's back. He's back. Help, help my holes. <laughs> I don't get that reference, but that's a good one. Either do I. Peanut Butter Jelly Time is back. I remember that. That was an early internet meme. Blaze of Jovi, who was having some trouble, but he managed to get back in. <laughs> uh, world, world, I was going to say world famous uh, radio host Chip Chipperson is involved in this. <laughs> yes. Home run. Touchdown, Chippa. Mm-hmm. Right. So Chairman Meow is back. Right. So we got Roomba. about 27 people signed up so far. And but the one if I can't win, Joe. Right. If I can't win, there's only one name so far on this list that I want to win. Do you know who that is? <laughs> I left it for you to read, Todd. That's right. If I can't win, then the only person who should win this pigskin pickums in 2018 is Smokey is the Bandit. Pick the best name on there. That is the best name so far. Good luck to you, Smokey is the Bandit. Good luck to you. I want to mention uh, a couple weeks ago in Podvocacy, Jason and David said that their goal in the hopes to get you to listen to their show (laughs) is to somehow acquire or procure a copy of the Smokey is the Bandit cut Mm -hmm. of Smokey is the Bandit and do a minute-by-minute podcast of it. Right. And then at the end of the podcast, after you have revealed that you have listened to all the episodes, then they would release the movie to you to watch. That That's not a bad plan. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad plan. But what they would have to do is they would have to let me watch each minute. They, would re- they should release each minute so I could follow along. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's their plan. I'm down with it. And I would gladly come on to any show that has the Smokey is the Bandit cut. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk a little bit here about Disenchanted. Uh, Disenchantment, my apologies. It's easier to, in my mind, Disenchanted sounds better. No? Right. I get confused all the time. Sometimes I screw up on words. Right. Um, so I, I want to mention, um, I got a chance to watch episodes two and three. Uh, Todd did not get a chance to watch anything this week. It's been a hectic week. I did make watch, uh, Hudson Hawk this week for Longbox Years After Dark. Uh, tune in to hear Todd's glowing positive review of the 1991 classic action adventure slapstick comedy romance, everything else under the sun type movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh... As Todd mentioned last week, episodes one and two are kind of together as, like, one continuous story. Right. Uh, you, they should have been watched together. They should have been released together. If it's an actual network show, that would have been the one-hour season premiere, you know, however they do those sort of things, right? I agree. Um, I liked episode two. Uh, I like the continuation of the king being a dirtbag. Uh, I like how sad of a character Elfo is. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love but how I, much of a jerk uh, Lucy is. Right, but a happy, uh, sad character. Yes. Very, That's what makes it all the funnier. Yes. 
Um, and Lucy is, is a dirtbag or a, a, a scumbag, but the, the king, I honestly think everything that the king is doing, we're going to find out is a ploy to bring his wife back. That him being a curmudgeon and in the first episodes trying to get the blood from Elfo to get the, the, the nectar of life and everything, it's all to bring his wife, his, his dead wife back for his daughter. I really do. I think we're going to find out that he's a better character than we, you know, predict. Now, because this has dropped as a, you know, as you can binge watch it, maybe somebody already knows this and I don't want to know because I still have to, to watch it. Uh, but that's my take on the King character anyway. Right, so uh, you haven't watched episode three, so I don't want to lean too much and give too much information away. Um, however, uh, the king has the theory that uh, Princess Bean's behavior and her drunken exploits mm-hmm. are because she's possessed by a demon. <clears throat> but she is. Well, she's not possessed by a demon. She's just being coerced by a demon. Isn't that the same? No, I'm just going to go ahead. It kind of is. Um, so... The king hires an actual exorcist who <laughs> is, who quite possibly, at least to date on the show, might be the most competent person that we've seen so far. <laughs> because he actually is a successful exorcist. And there's some fun gags in the show of Lucy attempting to hide inside of Bean. And it just shows how poor of a demon Lucy actually is. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. But there's a lot of uh, high comedy that comes from that. Good. Um, but I just want to touch on two things in the second episode now that you've watched them. Is when they get on the party boat and it's the El DeBarge. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. But that does not top when they go to the poison store. Do you remember what the poison store was called? No. Little Seizures. Oh, that's... I, I had to pause the episode because I was cracking up. I'm like, Little Seizures is the best thing in this show so far up to episode two. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff, Joe. That's my that's my wheelhouse right there. Matt Groening is talking to me when he does that stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, but, yeah, what I've watched so far I've enjoyed immensely. I'm hoping to get a chance to watch a little bit more. Um, before the, uh, the next time we get a chance to record. Mm-hmm. I might plow through it now, now that I don't have to watch, uh, Hudson Hawk anymore. Right. I might make you watch it again, just to mess with you. Oh, no, don't do that. I watched, it was so good the first time. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. Don't give it away. I don't want to give it away for free. Right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this is episode 413 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo!